everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Screenshots, the drinking game movie podcast. We didn't just come back from anywhere because I watched it in my house. We watched The Killer on Netflix. Johnny, what's it about and what's it making? Well, what's it about? Well, it's not making anything because it was released on Netflix. Exactly. It did have a limited theatrical run, but who gives a shit? It made like $2. Oh, really? Um, it had a theatrical yeah. run? Well, it's like in limited uh, cities. Oh, okay. So it probably made like a few hundred thousand. But this movie was released on Netflix, and guess what the budget is? Ooh, $40 million. Really? I don't know. I, reportedly, it's $175 million, but I don't think that's Whoa. true. And even if it is, I think it's because of streaming budgets and all those back-end deals are up front. I think the budget's probably closer to somewhere between like $100 million and $120. But also, David Fincher does like $100 million takes for every shot. That's so. true. That's true. But, okay, so this is hot off Mank, right? And Mank was like three years ago in 2020. And I was excited when I... Oh, I didn't say what it's about. You didn't. You didn't say what it's about. Fuck, I fucked it you up. We should, just, it up. we should just end the episode here. End it. We're done. And so unsubscribe. Don't smash that like <laughs> don't, button. Don't smash. Remove oh, so, your so comment. The, so the story is... <laughs> the story is, after a fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he, he insists isn't personal. And I was excited when this movie was announced because Mank, which was about... Uh, Herman Mankiewicz's, you know, workings with Orson Welles while they were writing Citizen Kane. I, Fincher hadn't made a movie from, since like 2014, which was Gone Girl. So I was really excited for Mank because I'm like, oh, finally a Fincher movie. Uh, he made Mindhunter and Love, Death, and Robots like in between. He made Love, Death, and Robots? He was like a producer on it, yeah. Oh, okay. And so I was like, but Mindhunter was great, but I was like, I want a movie. And Mank came out and it was like this kind of weird, like, like Oscar Beatty type political black and white thing it was it felt like yeah. a like an indulgent exercise more than like a david fincher movie so when the, and I, I don't i don't know if he operates in that that subject matter like i feel like when he has like more pup pulpy uh subject matter he operates well like like a serial killer movie like seven or uh, um zodiac or yeah girl with the dragon tattoo i mean the exception to that would be like the social network but even that's more of like a biopic more than it's like an oscar type political thing and so when the killer was announced, I was like, this is exactly right up his alley. This is going to be the, the most David Fincher movie I've ever seen. And my first impression on it when I was watching it is basically how visual, even though there's a narrator for like most of the script, there's a narrator. Yeah. It's like there's m more narration than there is dialogue, but the movie is still very, very visual. It's, it's basically like a silent movie almost with some narration. And what it reminds me of is there's a sequence in Gone Girl where Amy Dunn, Ben Affleck's wife, when she fakes her death, spoilers alert, and she goes on the run, there's like a five-minute sequence where you see her, you know, dye her hair and change her identity and get all fat and you know, beat herself up to, like, yeah. you know, start to work and do her inner workings on her plan. And there's a five-minute sequence where she's doing all these things, but every shot only lasts, like, half a second. I love that. I love that. But you are... You don't miss a single one. He's, like... Every shot that she's doing something, you're like, oh, she's doing this because of this. Yes. And then within a half a second, like, you just know as soon as you see it. There's a, there's a movie critic um, and movie, I guess, guy named Adam Naiman. He wrote a book on David Fincher called Mind Games. And he talks about, like, that sequence where he goes, I don't know how he does it, how it's so clear and, like, so quick. He goes, it borders on wizardry. You know? I, I don't know how he does it. I feel like Fincher does a very good job at making you feel like you're the character, not like you're actually watching the character. Right. I, I've noticed that in all the films I've watched of his, uh, especially Zodiac, I feel like I'm not watching these characters do these things. I feel like I am the character, and that's why it's so tense for me. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe that's why it's very communicate, like you communicate things very well. That's interesting, because in terms of the psyche, we'll get to this later, 
I, I, it was less than I was expecting. This movie? In terms of getting into the character psyche. I'll explain that later. Okay. But, so, going back to the Gone Girl thing, Fincher has, oh, like, also. a... Wait, wait. Okay. Fincher has a... <laughs> a uh, I, I have to take a shot because I said a two, word if you don't know. Two. two shots. Fincher has a, like, crystal clear appreciation for procedure, and this movie is basically that whole sequence from Gone Girl just in two hours. Like, he, you're just watching him do stuff yeah. and just reveling in the fact that, like, you know... it's And everything he does, like, there's a few things where you're like, what's he up to? But he'll they'll, he'll just communicate what his plan is in, like, two shots. And it's it's almost like watching yeah. Hitman the game or the movie. I've never seen that. Like, you're watching a hit... Never seen what? Hitman the movie? No, you're, like, you're watching Hitman the movie. Oh, like, the Hitman okay. games, yeah, the movie. I, yeah, they have a, that movie exists. No, but, like, those are shitty. I'm talking about, like, an actual oh, okay. version okay. that's good. Okay. <laughs> And so, and I do think the one of the things that really surprised me about this movie, yeah, is that like there's some some critics have been saying it's almost like you know the, as close as Fincher's going to get to doing James Bond. It feels like a it's like a mix between James Bond and Pink Panther, where like in the Pink Panther, he's sort of like a stumbling buffoon. Mm-hmm. I do think there's like a weird like comedic thing where there's a there's a lot of scenes in this movie that are very Pink Panther esque, where he kind of like Forrest Gumps his way to success or doesn't. In a way, like he's kind of just an idiot. I don't, I don't, I know what you mean, but I don't get that vibe. Like I, I understand what you're saying. Not the vibe like a slapstick. But yeah, in not, terms of what actually happens on screen. I, I, I think that I, I didn't know what to expect when I was asked, you know, what movie you watch? Oh, I'm watching The Kill. What's it about? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe an action movie. I didn't do any. It's about a guy who's very nice and doesn't cause harm to <laughs> anybody. I didn't do any research into this, but I love that I, like I said, you said you felt a little bit different, <clears throat> but I love that I felt like I was inside of his head. I love the nonstop narration. What? What are you smiling? At? Keep going. I I love the nonstop narration, like the voiceover. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's my favorite part of like the at least when I was when I watched Fight Club, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, I that's I love being with the character in that first person kind of realm. I feel like I'm watching a book being read to me. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, Billy Summers because it's about a shooter. Do you love that you feel like you're watching a book being read to you because you can't read? That's actually exactly why, because I can't read. Um, I that my dad puts the si- subtitles on, and it's offensive. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I feel like I was wa- I was watching Billy Summers. It was actually a really good book. Uh, came out last year, cause, where it's just about like an assassin just going through the motions, what they have to do to get the job done, what do they have to do after the job, what they, what they have to do to prepare for the job, right. and how it's just like w- this isn't a spoiler because it says in like the first thirty seconds we said like if you're um if you can't like take on being bored this job's not for you and mm-hmm. i'm like this is very realistic this isn't just just like action pack like you, it's you sitting there waiting you know yeah i liked it i was i going into like the psyche thing yeah i think the movie's effect on me at least the first time i watched it because I, I watched it and i thought the, the effect of the movie overall was like not enough i was like this is very subtle and i was suspicious of that i was like that's it and i was suspicious of that because it's Fincher. So I'm like, this can't be all like that. That's it. That can't be this. It. <laughs> I just, I just lost my grasp on language. I'm like, this can't be all that it is. Right. Yeah. So I watched it again this morning. I watched it last night and then I watched it again this morning. And I feel like I was more aware. Like there's a lot, you know, every time you, anytime you watch a movie, you're not in awe of discovering what happens in the plot. You're more of in awe of discovering the things you missed the first time. Yeah. And I do think I have more of an appreciation for it the second time, like it, like probably most movies. But I feel like the effect of him losing, like his mind cracking and he, him losing his thing, 
I feel like it was done almost too subtly, or or too. I was like, I was, it was it was communicated, but I didn't really feel it. It didn't feel as urgent and crazy as it should have, or something. Well, to me, you know what I mean. To me, the the character kind of felt like a very soft, like psychopath kind of thing, where it's like right. he has emotions and feelings, but he's so well seasoned as the, being this for his career that his breaking point, you, like a normal person like us, wouldn't even notice it. Right. So I kind of feel like that makes sense. And also, he kept relaying this message to the audience, like in his head, about it's like just do the job, just do the job, just do the job. And it's like it's it's his mantra, you know. It's like he's like keep saying it to himself. And not only does he say it, but he actually does it. Where I feel like in a lot of movies, the characters like I got to do it this way. Then they're like, no, the rules are meant to be broken. Not this guy. He follows the rules. He follows the rules. Not always because you know you need some conflict in the movie. But I feel like well, the whole thing, the whole premise is about him breaking his own rules. Well, yeah, I know the whole conversation they have at the end with the bear thing, which was a funny conversation. But um, I know, but he kept saying that mantra in his head, and he did follow those rules like uh, throughout the movie. He did, um, and that's why I think it's hard for at least maybe us to be like, oh, yeah, he's at his breaking point. This should be crazy, but I think this is a pretty crazy moment for him because he's, he's – he, what else is he going to do? He's, he's looking for answers on how to fix this problem. The yeah, best but way I, I feel like the build – like I, th- I think they were doing like a pretty good job of building up to that. And then, and at least like ha- at the halfway mark, and then some big. There's a big sequence that happens in the middle, and then after that, we kind of just, you know, we kind of don't hear from that again. And then all of a sudden, at the end, when he's when the climax is about to happen, you just like Fincher does like a big thing to be like, "Oh, this is things are getting crazy in his head," but he does it in like one shot, and it feels really out of place, and it doesn't feel. It's hard to explain. It's hard to describe when you're not when we're doing non spoilers. Yeah, but I really think that the whole thing of his getting into his mind and his psyche. I, th- I feel like it wasn't, at least in the second half, wasn't done as well as it could have. In the first half, I'm like, this is nice, because you would see little itsy bit, subtle pieces of him being like getting paranoid and shit. And I'm like, this is good. Because he was in unfamiliar ground, but then in the second half, they just lost that. And But also in the movie, they, he, the entire time he has a heart rate monitor on his wrist, and I think that helps with the with the tension. But his emotion is like... Yeah, but he abandons it. He does, through. he does. His visual emotions don't like display his like angst. Oh well, dude, him. Fassbender spends most of this movie just standing still. Yeah. But there's always something going on with him. Yeah. Like you can always just look at him and he's perplexing to look at. You're just like, oh my god, he's so compelling. Just he's not even saying anything. He doesn't really talk in this movie at all. No, not at all. Not well. Yeah. There's like the, the let's say the script is like 120 pages. He spends maybe. There's probably like six fi- pages where fifteen minutes of dial like of dialogue. It's yeah, it's very very minimal. Ten, yeah, which made me think like, you know, because I was watching, because we we were talking, I don't know what we were talking about, but I was trying to think about how is it that a character or an actor, sorry, an actor that he knows or she knows that most of the words, most of the dialogue, is going to be a voiceover. I wonder like when they're acting, are there like. Like, can they do they do do they do the voiceover before so they know how to like act or do they plan to do it? Like, what oh, do no, you think? It's, I mean, this, the voiceover is in the script, but and they've been they, they're probably aware that there's a voiceover occurring yeah, yeah. here, but I don't I don't know if they time how much they time it because they record that afterwards. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like I'd I'd want to know, you know. But also the the voiceover. That's why this movie is almost like a self. I feel like this movie is like a, a parody, a self. People have been saying it's like a self parody of Fincher himself. Because Fincher is known to be like a guy who's super obsessive, super obsessive, and does a bunch of takes and works on his own rules and stuff yeah. like that. And it almost seems like he's kind of making fun of himself in this movie because 
in the beginning, the character, the killer. Yes, yes. He's, he has, like, his whole, the whole um, narration yep. is like an adolescent nihilism where he's just like, the world's bleak and this is what you got to do. You got to be one of these people, dog. Like, yeah. it's, and it, it's, it almost borders on comedy when the story plays out how it does. There are moments of comedy in it. Like, it's not a slapstick, but it's a super subtle comedy. You'll I have to point those out to me. When I'll spoilers. point it I, when spoilers. I'll point it out to you immediately. But I know what you're saying. Where like how Fincher always wants everything to be perfect. And it's about that breaking down. Yeah. Yeah, and and I understand how you're saying he's kind of making fun of him because it's like once the conflict arises, that's kind of like oh, so you see, like no matter how perfect you are, you're not perfect. Right. Um, you know, I there's one one thing about Fincher being that kind of way, being very like meticulous, the way he needs things to be like the chair's got to be an inch to the right, or like the yeah, table's yeah. got to be a little bit higher. Um, I always make fun of my friends, at least, for being, like, a perfectionist because it ends up making them, like, not do things right. Um, but every time they mention Fincher, I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. You know? Like, I feel like he wastes time, but he doesn't waste time getting it right. I think he's really good at having having an excuse to make a perf- perfect movie because he has such a good filmography to say, oh, but look, I made that. He spends so much time getting what he needs visually, like, on set, and then spends so little time in order to get communicate what he was trying to communicate. Like we were talking about the like the his thing for procedure, like ha- having yeah. a shot for 2 seconds and you're like, "Oh, I know what's going on." Yeah. Basically the, the basically the whole movie is like in Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad. You want to get you want to get to the ratings? Rings. Let's go to ratings. Basically the whole movie is like those sequences in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul where they're setting something up and nobody's talking and you're just watching them set setting something up going, "What the hell are they doing there?" "Oh, I yeah. see." You know? And there's also a sequence there's a sequence in the middle. You know what I'm talking about. With uh, an alumni of the MGC podcast, almost an alumni of the MGC podcast, The Last Deal, Oh, the villain in The Last Deal, which was directed yeah. by Jonathan Salemi, oh, the villain yes, is yes. Salah Baker. He plays a bad guy That's in That's awesome. Movie too. Holy shit. But on a scale, what's the rating scale? You, you do your thoughts, and I'll come up with the rating well, scale. Well, I... The, one, the only big problem I have with this movie is that, like, I was I was very interested in him as a character. I thought it was really cool just seeing how he works, right? Like, the way he would work very meticulously, the way he would... You know, I don't know if there's a spoiler, I'll cut it off it is, but the way he, like, cleans everything and the way he builds everything and, like, he has a plan for everything and he even mentions in the voiceover that I have so many of these things all over the country or whatever. I'm not going to say what the thing is. And it's like, he's always ready. Um, I think he, as a character, is very interesting and I liked watching that, but I think the actual, like, plot wasn't very interesting. Um, I think they could have done better, but I don't think the plot was really the point. I don't think from, from A to B was the point of the movie. I think just watching his character exist in his universe was the point, um, at least in my opinion. It was opinion. more of a character study than making an innovative plot. Yes, yes. Um, and I there I don't know what it's called. There's um, If you're blind, there's a way you can watch movies where the, like uh, someone narrates what's going on in the movie for you while the sound is also on. I think I'd be able to enjoy this movie just as equally if I wasn't watching it and I was just listening to it because I think he narrates it so well and he explains things so well that I I didn't even have to, like, because there are some scenes that are really cool, like, oh, that's a dope scene, but most of the scenes are just him walking around and going to different places. I think if I if it was just like an audio book, I'd ha- just have just yeah, as him, much fun. Him, yeah, but th- that, would, that would suggest that the movie uses the narration as a crutch to get the plot. Like, th- there's nothing in the narration mm-hmm. that ac- ever talks about the plot. Well, you don't have to be happy about my opinion, but that's my opinion. No, but I'm saying, how would you be able... To, you can't... I'm, you're saying a blind person would be able to watch the movie. Well, you missed what I said in the, the beginning. Movie. There's When blind people watch movies, there's there's settings where the whoever produced the movie actually narrates what's right. going on physically. I forget what it's called. 
Yeah. But yeah. If so, if I if I wasn't if I was just listening to the movie being narrated while the oh, ra- I thought you said if you were just listening to the narration. No, like no, saying no, that no, you no, don't no. even need the visuals. No, no. If I if that. I was being told what's going on in screen, oh, okay. That, yeah, I think I'd be able to enjoy it just as much because the the visual parts of this movie that I thought were interesting or good or cool are you know sparsely yeah. spread out while the rest of it is him just explaining how life is like for him. Right. And I think that's interesting. You know, as you said, like a, like a character study or whatever. Yeah. Um. Part of me, I, I, part of me probably would have liked this movie better. I think if there was just no narration, and there and was, was just, just him walking were, around. Yeah, really? because I don't, I, I don't really. I think the narration was only basically like as a joke. What do you mean? I think we'll talk about it, but it, it, it was just. I feel like the narration was to just set up a joke in the beginning, and I never. I, I feel like I could have just watched the movie and it would have been baller because there's there's a movie with no dialogue in it almost. You know. Yeah. Um. But rating, I don't. I don't know if I have a rating to this. How many? How much would you charge for for you to be hitman? How much per, per how much for per? How, how much would I charge for a Michael? Th- how much would I charge <laughs> Michael Fassbender to kill me? <laughs> okay. Wait, you're charging him to kill you? Yeah. Like it's pleasurable for him? What? How much would you? How much would I kill you for? How much would I Not pay much. Michael Fassbender to kill you? How much? I would pay him on a scale of one to one dollar to ten million dollars. I would probably pay him like eight million dollars to kill you. Which means I think this is. I don't know if it's great. It is extremely watchable, and it does make because it not a lot of movies where I watch it and I go immediately want to watch it again. This movie, if I if it wasn't at like so late at night, I would have just pressed pressed start and watched it again. The movie where I'm like I have to watch this again. Yeah. No, I've always had to just like give it a month at least. I do think it has rewatchability, which is why I think it should probably be an A because it's it. I you know again I feel I feel like I missed something. Because it's Fincher, I'm suspicious that I'm. When I said that's it, it's a suspicious. That's it because I know it's Fincher. I think I think what's gonna happen is is we're gonna give our ratings, then we're gonna get into spoilers, and then we're gonna be like, oh. I feel like we yeah. I feel like we can't talk about some. Yeah, stuff. we're because I think there's a lot of like in and out with you know the the bear story that we'll get into the the way the beginning scene, which is what you're talking about. I think there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, okay, this is the actual message. I would give it a seven point six million. Okay, so you jumble out. That's a seven point eight million dollars to kill. So we we would pay Michael Fassbender seven point eight million dollars out of ten million to kill us. Screenshot score, <laughs> trade market, boom, screenshot to do whatever you want with it. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Just like <laughs> Ah Lou. <laughs> oh, so okay, so the beginning, right? Yeah. The beginning is like fifteen minutes of him narrating and you're just watching him, you know, stake out like an assassination. And the whole time, he's carrying himself like he's like the best of all time. He's like, you got to be one of the few. One of the, the, the you know the, you know the world is is uh many is a few, exploiting the many, and you got to be one of the few or whatever. And you know that he has he concern he thinks of himself as like better than everybody as one of the few. Even in the beginning, where Fincher is evoking like a rear window esque yes uh, cool. scene. Where he's looking down at everybody on the street, and he's looking up. Yeah. He, he's while he's describing one of the many, and or you know, one of the few. He's looking down at all these people, one of the many, and he talks about how perfect he is and how you know awesome of, of an asset. You can't. I don't give a fuck, dude. And then two seconds later, he makes his shot and he kill he kills a dominatrix and not the guy, and he goes fuck, and like that's the joke. Where that was where I'm like, this is Pink Panther. Like he kind of just sucks at his job sometimes, and then. 
you're watching him. He's like, I don't know what the fuck to do. And then there's there's, there's a later scene where he kills the lawyer, uh, Hodges, and he he hits him in the chest three times with a nail gun and goes, you'll bleed out in like six or seven minutes. And then he just dies that. immediately. He's like, oh, shit. I don't didn't get that vibe as like he's trying to say like, oh, I'm the best ever. I got the vibe where it's like, um, these are the rules I have to follow. These are the rules anybody has to follow. Good luck to myself. Like, I didn't feel like he was trying to boast. I felt like he was just like, I have to do this or I'm going to fail. And right. he failed. Um, I don't think he was trying I think to... he was boasting because of the way he describes being one of the few and one of the many. And he's looking down at all these people. He thinks of himself as superior. I don't know, does he? Because every time he looked down at the people, and maybe this is looking too far into it, when he was looking down at the people, like he would like smile and look like he wanted what they had. Like he was looking at really? the children walking around. He was smiling. It made he him feel good. He had a crosshair and he was pointing at their heads. Yeah, that might also be another might mean another thing. But like, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking That's too far into it. But he would look at certain people and he would smile. He would look at certain people and he, he, uh, he wouldn't have much of an expression. And I think that maybe he doesn't want to be one of the few. You know? Because also it's like... I mean, oh, we're in... Sp- I was about to say, this is a spoiler, but we're in spoilers. When he find it was that his wife or his girlfriend? Who knows? His um, lover. Yeah, I feel like he saw that and he was like, "I want to." Like, I think he wants to get out of the game, but he just doesn't know how because it's the only life he has. Because even the lawyer was like, "You have all this money. What are you doing?" Right. So I feel like he's kind of addicted to this, but I don't think he considers himself the best. I think he's this is all he knows. This is that's me though. That's what that's mm, that's agree, how I disagree. feel. Disagree. I don't know. Um, I like I can see what you're saying, but I didn't get that vibe from him. Um, I do I do see the like how he keeps fucking up he's kind of a dunce like when it comes to just like not doing correctly because everything every time he like sets up this foundation for how something's supposed to happen it just doesn't totally doesn't go the way it is like well well, that's not entirely true like there's a lot of things there's i feel like a key moments he's fucks up but there's a lot of moments like near the end when he just when he kills uh salah baker like he kills salah baker yeah that was an awesome scene that we got to talk about that separately yeah we're gonna talk about that separately but then, like, there's, you know, he messes up in big moments. Sometimes things go the way. He's very good at planning stuff. But then, some, like, either when he, like, at the end, right, he goes in to kill the guy. Or he doesn't go in to kill the guy because he doesn't ask for ammo when he buys the gun. I imagine. He, he buys it. the gun. What? You don't think he had ammo? Well, how would he get ammo if he just flew? That's why I he didn't know, have a gun. You're right. So he didn't have a gun. I don't know if he planned to kill the guy, but he gets in there. What did you think that ending was? I didn't know what, I didn't, I still don't know what they were getting at with that, where... He kills everybody up the ranks and then goes originally and then goes to the client who he thinks ordered the hit on his house. And the client's like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. I'm well, new to this. Like, what did you think that meant? That's why, like, I'm that's my biggest problem with the movie is I don't understand the plot really. I don't really get it. Like, I understand, like, the character work and, like, right. what he has to overcome. Like, what do you not understand about the plot? Like, I don't, like, all right, someone attacked his house. Who attacked his house? I guess we'll find out. And then we, I guess we find out, but they're not important characters to us. Cause he's important to us, but this, 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 like, huge mob thing isn't really important to us. And then we go to that last guy, and it's like, I just didn't care. It could, and, and, and Fassbender's just looking at him, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to radiate you one day if you don't stay on track or whatever. And it's like, I don't really care. Like, I under I understood the plot, like, logically. I just didn't understand the meaning of how it wrapped yes, up. Yes, okay, then, like, yeah. Because like, the whole thing is that he had this near miss. He didn't kill the client. And then the Hodges guy says, the consequences of you missing, like, having a wide mark is automatic knowing that like as soon as he didn't kill that guy, they were going to come and kill him. Right. And then he goes to and kill Salah Baker and Tilda Swinton. And then he goes to the client. And also he thinks that Hodges told him that the client wanted him dead. So he goes to the client's house and the, who's a uh, uh, Claiborne and he's like, Hey, and then Claiborne's like just a kind of like a buffoon. He's like, I didn't mean for any of this. 
I didn't know what was going on. Maybe, and then he just leaves. Maybe him. it is meaningless. Maybe it's just that Michael had. It sounds weird saying Michael, but Michael Fassbender just had to get to that point to realize, like, okay, like I don't have to try anymore. I'm good. Because maybe the guy at the end, what's his name? Claiborne. Claiborne. Sounds like a Spider-Man character. Claiborne. Um, he just wanted a hit on somebody, and it failed. But he didn't care really what's going on. He probably just didn't even realize that how what he was getting into. He, he was probably so right. meaningless. Well, yeah, he said he said he wanted the hit on somebody because he's new to it. And then once it didn't go, he was like, "All right, you know, nobody's perfect." And they told him there's they, there's extra insurance to cover up the tracks. And he was like, "I didn't know what that meant." I just said, "Sure, maybe." Because also maybe it it's Fassbender realizing. Maybe, ooh, maybe I'm on to something here. Maybe it's Fassbender's character. Maybe it's the killer realizing that his life, no matter how good of an assassin he is, is ultimately up to the whims of one of the few. Because uh-huh. this guy because this guy is like, I don't know what was going on, but he just upended Michael Fassbender's whole life. So he goes, and then at the end, he's like, you can be one of the many, like me. The, the sequel will be called The Few Get Smaller. <laughs> <laughs> the cute, the killers. And then he twitches his eye at the end, which is maybe... Like what you said, like he can't stop being an assassin. Yeah. Maybe him not being an assassin. Because maybe he's like finally relaxing with his girlfriend and then he just, his eye twitches. Like he's like, I got to fucking get out of here. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I do have to watch this again. Because, yeah, there's a, there might be a lot going on. But again, it's like hard to say all this stuff without also sounding pretentious. Because I also feel like Fincher's the kind of guy that makes a movie like this just to say, it doesn't mean anything. Shut the fuck up, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I do think there's a thing with him feeling like he has to or wants to continue killing, whether or not killing's the release, but he feels like he needs to like be one of the few. Um, I also think maybe he's very paranoid of the other few, like you just said. Um, and that's why he went on this like almost convoluted like I have to like, you know, cover my tracks oh, and yeah. That that's what I was talking when he was getting paranoid. I'm like, this is good in the in the beginning. Cause he kills he kills the dominatrix, right? And he's yeah. like, fuck. And then he leaves the country. And then when he's on the plane he sees the guy, the cool looking guy in the sunglasses, and he's like, What the fuck? And he thinks that guy is like another assassin. Oh, uh, yeah. And I then, he, so what guy. he does, and this is, and not a word spoken. He's not like, Who is this guy? Whatever. All they show is him looking at the guy, and he doesn't look the like of him. So they. He doesn't look the like of he him. He doesn't like the look of him. <laughs> and then he cancels his flight and takes the next flight, unless that guy go on another plane, sits in a hotel room, puts the glass on the knob. That was cool. And puts it in. Yeah. So if anybody comes in, and then he walks out, gets on another plane, and they can see, he's, he can sleep. He's fine. And then he gets back home. That was good. Like stuff like that's good when he's at the airport when he's leaving because he he wore like little details like why do you put like he put the jacket on? Yeah, he doesn't say I need to put the jacket on because the gunpowder will get on me and the dogs will smell it. He puts that jacket on from the bag while he shoots the guy. Then he takes it off, gets into the place, cleans himself, and then when he's in the line for the airport and he sees the dog, the dog's just huffing and looking right at him. He gets all paranoid. I'm yeah. like, that's good. That's so. And he goes back into the thing. I think that's why I like the narration even more. You know, when he doesn't mention those things. So it sounds, it just sounds like the diary of like a really angsty sophomore yeah. in high school. Yeah. You know, so I feel like I actually really like that about it. Because um, I feel like if you, if you had this idea <clears throat> as like, let's say this movie didn't exist. And you were like, oh, I have a really good idea where it's about an assassin that narrates his life, but he doesn't say anything about what he's doing at the moment. Right. That's a, I actually really like that idea. Now he does narrate the things he does at the moment um, every now and then, but I think it's a really cool way to look at a character right um there's one line in this uh which i thought was funny where it's um he, he says the acronym but it's what would john wilkes booth do yeah i was like yeah that's funny um going back to him getting paranoid and like the his psyche breaking down yeah i feel like the last time we see that up until the the climax 
is when he gets to Florida and you see he you see him st- stake out the guy who beat up his girlfriend's house with the dog and stuff. Yeah. And like he gets all the the sleepy drugs and the, the meat. What? He gives it to the dog and it does nothing. Well, puts him to sleep immediately and then the dog somehow wakes up at the very end of yeah, the fight. Yeah, like it does. But um but he gets there and then you see that his his heart rate yeah is uh, at like 120 and he just fucking ignores it and goes in and like okay so now he's getting you know now he's he's starting to get like loosened up a little bit and then he goes yeah. in and has like the best fight scene of all time which listen that was so cool the way they use the camera the way they use the sound right and oh it was like every single time like a fist was going through the air like everything vibrated right it was so satisfying and it's like another thing with like the procedure of fincher how he c- explains everything so clearly in like such little time yeah in this like the whole fight scene you exactly know what's going on the whole time it's not like this bullshit shaky cam stuff you know it's so good when when he grabbed the cheese grater i was like fuck i don't want to see this and then he yeah. just throws it away i'm like thank god because well, he looks at it and like he th- he was thinking he was getting a knife and he's like god damn it and yeah, he just throws yeah. it but and then but after that like we don't see, and then after that he goes to chicago yep. or no he goes to tilda swinton okay right yep and he waits for her and then he goes in the restaurant and she's like why would you take this risk and i'm like okay so i guess he's still breaking his rules and then he kills her and she explains a story about the bear um, at length. And can, then... Can, can we tell the bear story? Yeah, yeah, So You can finish this. Just yeah, yeah. So, and then after he kills Tilda Swinton, he goes to Claiborne in Chicago and, you know, matter-of-factly sets up this whole thing to get into the, his home. And then while, all of a sudden, like, while he's walking up there, you just... He's, you, all the, it's like, it's so weird and out of nowhere. And I thought it was really jarring. You just hear, like, all these people... Going, what are you doing? Like boom, boom. You hear like people getting in his head, like from pre, like the previous lines. Where it's like, what are you doing? You're out of, you're out of control. Yeah. And then it's like Salah Baker going, hey, you suck, pal. You're Dominican Republican. <laughs> and it's like it's supposed to build up this thing by having all these voiceovers in his head, like, oh, he's getting, he's you know, fed up and stuff. But I feel like that came out of nowhere. Like it, like it, like it was just put in after the fact. I didn't. I thought that the his whole psyche breaking down in the second half just wasn't didn't flow well. I don't know. You you might you might see that as a mistake, and I might you know you're kind of like help like affecting the way I see it. But I still a part of me still it still feels like we just can't understand how a psychopath would break down anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't I, know if that makes for like good movies. It probably doesn't. But I mean, like if I if I had to give him the benefit of the doubt, that would be it. Where it's like his breakdown is taking that watch off. His breakdown is making mistakes he would usually never make because even the the lawyer is like. This isn't like you. Like, what are you doing? Like, you don't do this. Right. Um, so I think his breakdown is him just, you know, letting, you know, his heart rate get the best of him, you know? Um, yeah, I see that's actually a good point. Like, his breakdown uh, seems so subtle to us, but in psychopathic standards, it's yeah, pretty major. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Let's, let's, talk, let's, let's tell the bear story because I think that, that was obviously a really important moment. So the bear uh, story. Very funny. So I'll tell the I'll tell the story, then you ex- explain your analysis. So okay. he's sitting across from Tilda Swinton, and she's like, "Fuck, you're gonna kill me, huh?" He's like, "Yep." And she starts telling a story about a bear, and she goes, "You know the story about the hunter and the bear. The hunter goes in the woods, and he she, he takes his shot at this bear, and he misses. And the bear tells him, "You have two choices: either I can, you know, feast on you, or I can sodomize you. Like, pick one, pal." Yeah. And then the hunter chooses life. life. Yep. And then he comes back the next day with a bigger gun and he take he puts the bear in his crosshairs and takes the shot and he misses and the bear stands above him with his arms crossed and he goes, You know the drill. 
or you know the deal, so he yeah. fucks him again. And then the third day, the hunter comes back with the bazooka, and he puts him in his crosshairs, and the bazooka, he fires the bazooka, and the bazooka sweeps him off his feet, and he lands on his back, and the smoke clears, and he sees the bear standing before him, and he goes, you're not in this for the hunting, are you? So in the beginning of the movie, in his narration, he talks about how he put in, put in his 10,000 hours. Like, he's done this for a very long time. Right. Um, so clearly he was a hunter at one point, but I, but I said this a little bit before and I'm kind of being like, I don't want to use the word hypocrite, but I'm like, I'm like contradicting myself because part of me feels like he wants to be out of the game and part of me feels like he wants to continue doing it. And I think maybe that's the struggle because that when he fucks up, it's because he's thinking about like, oh, I just want this to be over. But when he does a really good job, he's like, no, I'm the best at this because he has all this experience. He knows what he's doing. He's telling the audience, which is just him, you know, reminding himself, telling himself, I th- I've got this. I'm down. There's no reason why I should fuck up, but he fucks up anyway. And I think maybe he wanted to, um, but again, I don't think he does. I think it's like his battle. It's, it's man versus himself, you know, um, because he shouldn't have missed in the beginning, but he did. He had he had a, a few times to take the shot too. If you really notice, like you, you can. Well, he was so flabbergasted by by him missing that he took his eye away from the scope and went what. And then when he realized that he missed, he get went back and he missed his chance to like retake the yeah. shot. So so I, I, I think maybe his, his version of uh the the bear story is that he wanted to get not caught, but I guess like maybe like not caught by the authorities, but he wanted like this criminal, you know, ring to just be like, Okay, we're like we're coming after you. He maybe he needed a reason to kill the the rest of the field. Like he wanted something new. Maybe want maybe it's like, like the greatest game kind of thing. Oh Zodiac. The what? The greatest game. What's that? Um, it's the story about uh, men killing men, the hu- the man hunter. Oh, the most dangerous, the most game? dangerous game. I'm sorry. Um, and they mentioned that Zodiac. Maybe like that's. I was what about he... to say, what is that? I didn't. I don't yeah, remember a movie about Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. <laughs> Maybe what he wanted was to get out of it, or what he wanted was to ha- need a reason to kill the other few, or have the few come after him. Maybe he did need a challenge. I don't know. I feel like it's so vague. It's almost like it's really hard to come up with yeah. an that's idea. A, that's a, every every effect. I feel like every single effect, that this, except for like him missing the shot in the beginning, I feel like every effect in this movie is just so subtle. Yeah. Because like other, like again, like not to be a, a, a super fan, but like when, when you watch Fight Club, it's so easy to pick that movie apart because like everything means something. And this is like everything can mean something, but you have no idea like if it, does you know like yeah. I, I feel like it's very hard to you know dissect this can i make fun of you for a second have you not done enough i'm gonna explain to the folks at home you know like okay you know when like a guy who wears the drive jacket unironically you know like the the literal like you know we all like the literally me memes with ryan gossing whatever but you know the guys who don't know that that's a joke like how we know <laughs> it's a joke mark is like that with fight club and Tyler Durden, where he's like, Tyler Durden is I've the greatest man who's ever lived. I've never said that or even relayed that <laughs> message ever in my entire life. You're the life. autistic Fight Club guy. <laughs> That's a good one. I've, I've never relayed that message, but okay. Um, it's all right. You, no, I'm not saying that, actually. Anyway. Do you want to go movie recommendation? Let's, let's do recommendation. All right. I can't believe you're doing this. I can't believe you're doing this. Doing what? You don't have one? No, I know what it is, but I forgot to just pull it up. My movie recommendation in honor of the first 15 minutes is Rear Window, baby. You've seen Rear Window. Mm-hmm. So you know exactly. Like, those shots of him looking at people's apartments yeah. is right out of Rear yeah, Window. absolutely. 
Um, I've seen Disturbed. So this, this isn't. This isn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> this isn't uh, uh Alfred Hitchcock movie from 1954 starring uh, James Stewart, Jimmy Houston, Jimmy Houston, Why Jimmy did you Stewart, say that? <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, and Grace Kelly. And it's a photographer in a wheelchair spies on his neighbors from his Greenwich Village courtyard apartment window and becomes convinced that one of them has committed murder, despite the skepticism of his fashion model girlfriend. This is like, this movie, how I explained like in my last review of it on Letterboxd, was like, I've watched so many movies, <laughs> but never have I been afraid that the characters in the movie were going to catch me looking at their story. Yeah. Like, you literally, like, oh, fuck, they're watching, like... Johnny's, the way I'm autistic about Fight Club, Johnny's autistic about Rear Window. When, whenever you go to his house, he's he's in a wheelchair. He's got a camera. I have the cast on. He's, yes, he's got it, Having like, sex with Grace Kelly. <laughs> the, the, I got to say about that movie, though, the ending is like, all right. All right what do you buddy. mean? I, well, I don't want to spoil it. I can tell you afterwards. But I'm like, that's not, okay. I can, I can tell you when we're done. No, tell me now. Um, it's fucking fifty years old or hundred. Yeah, years but old. you you, you want to avoid spoilers to give another generation a chance to watch the movies. It sounds like a bunch of liberal gobbledygook to me, dude. Oh, do you want me to say? It? No, hold on. So th- I said this is the only movie I've seen where I had to worry that the had to worry that the <laughs> characters might actually catch me peeping on their story. Anyway, well, what I was gonna say though is I don't like how at the end he's like, oh my gosh, this guy who you know killed people, this gigantic six five man who's like two hundred and eighty pounds. I'm gonna stop him with a flash of my camera. No, no. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> so stupid. But that I do think because he's also in dark. That I mean, those cameras back in the day though probably would do that to your eyes. I do think that was a little contrived. Like that's the version of like that was like maybe the first movie to do. You remember the thing in Batman vs Superman when they're fighting? And Superman's running at Bruce Wayne, and he puts the crypt- the kryptonite thing in the canister and like shoots it, like that thing where they shoot, and the guy runs at you, and you have to go. You know what I'm talking about? That trope in movies. Yes, yes, yes. That was like Rear Window was the first movie to do that. It's like so that's probably why we're like we kind of roll our eyes at it now. You know? No, but no, but it first of all it's different with Rear Window, but it's like what's like in horror movies when they have a double barrel shotgun instead of like any other gun that exists. It's like okay, you gotta break action, put the things back. Right, and the person's running at you, and you go, boom. But no, Rear Window is stupid because it's like it's a it's a it's light. It's yeah, but th- you're, yeah, but this is by 1950 standards, like flash photography in a dark room where his eyes are adjusted to the darkness at night. You're wrong. All right. <laughs> okay. Dude, all right. you ever walk into a house after you spend all, t- all day outside and you can't see a goddamn thing? It's like the reverse I've of that. I've never been inside a house. Oh, okay. Yeah, where are we? Uh, gun, narration, voiceover, missed, killed. What words did I say? Narration, missed. You d- you definitely said, uh, oh, and I also didn't take a single shot because you're. Uh, I'm not saying again that. twice. Okay, uh, kill and ending. Drink something, All right. so I could tally it in the end of the year video. No ass. He <laughs> 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 just spit all over the floor. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a bit for no, a second. No, that was not a bit. <laughs> Dude, that went right into like my chest. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just do? Uh, I just take, I drank the water. It went right into my lungs. <laughs> oh my god, that was nuts, bro. <sighs> that's the funniest thing I've ever seen you do. All right, That'll, that I'll wasn't ca- a bad po- uh, that podcast. Got a little dry sometimes, but that was all right. <laughs> <laughs> if you like that, if you like that podcast, let us know. Tell us what was wrong with it. What would you think? What would you think this movie was about? I don't know. We couldn't figure it out. 
<laughs> okay, guys. I'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> Shit, man. That was rough. Well, you know that's going to be a clip. Yeah. <laughs>